0: Look in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 19 this morning, but uh, before I say that, um, it's interesting how our perspective of life is. We call these times hard, and I'm thinking about uh, the times when our ancestors went through war, and uh, the times when our forefathers in Christ were imprisoned, and all of those things, and I think a 14-day quarantine watching Netflix and uh, sitting on the couch eating all kinds of good food and that type of thing would have been uh, preferable to anything that the Apostle Paul went through. And so we ought to always remember that and be thankful and be grateful. And uh, this is certainly a great time to do what we just sang about, to take everything to the Lord in prayer. Because uh, we need prayer and our nation needs prayer, our leaders need prayer. And we do what we do today today. Uh, out of love, out of love for our neighbor. We don't do it simply because the president or the governor asked us to do this. We do it because the Bible commands us to love God with all of our heart and to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And we want to cooperate in not being a facilitator for this virus to spread and overwhelm the medical system and all of that. So we do it, and we do it for now. But this is not the goal and YouTube is a poor substitute for the gathering of the saints together to worship and praise God. And we certainly, for those of us who are here ministering this morning, we feel it. It's weird. It's good. I'm glad we can do this, but it's weird. It's strange. We ought to be together. And so, uh, church family, we look forward to the time when we can be together again And uh, thank you for tuning in today. In case there are some of you who are watching who are not a part of our Graceway family, and I assume that there are, uh, my name is Greg Keenan. I'm the pastor here at Graceway, and uh, know that we're here to help you in any way that we uh, possibly can. And we do pray that the Lord will bless you. So before we go any further, let's stop and let's have a word of prayer. Father, we ask for power this morning. As we praised you and you inhabit the praises of your people. As you're an omnipresent God. As you're the God who indwells your children. You even call us temples of the Holy Spirit. That's amazing. Thank you that we don't have to ask you to pay attention to us. You already are. We don't have to ask you to bless us. You already have. And we don't have to ask you to come and fill this place. You already have. And thank you that you fill our lives as well. Maybe we be under your control and submissive to you. May we worship from our hearts. And we do want to pray, Father, for this mess that we, our nation finds itself in. We don't understand it. We don't get it. And uh, in fact, even when we listen to the experts, we're reminded that there really are no experts in this. This virus is so new, we don't fully understand it. So we come to you, the great physician, and we ask you for deliverance. We ask you for healing, and we ask you for strength during these times. And we also pray that you would bring beauty out of ashes. We pray that you would do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we can ask or think. Uh, That's what your word says in Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. And bless us now as we take time to look into your word. Show us how we can love you more deeply. And show us how we can love our neighbor more perfectly as you commanded us to do that. And we pray for wisdom and grace and strength. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, let's uh, think about Moses now for just a moment. He's in the backside of the desert. And that's not an optimal place to be, as you could imagine. He had been raised in the palace. He had been raised as um, Pharaoh's daughter's son. I'm assuming that would make him uh, Pharaoh's grandson. And uh, he had been well-schooled, educated in all the ways of Egypt, which was the superpower of their day. And he also had been raised with anything and everything that he wanted. Uh, The Bible talks about, The uh, uh, treasures of Egypt. And so we think about Moses and what kind of life he must have had. However, he had been raised somehow to understand that he was a Hebrew. He was a Jew, in other words. And the Jews at that time were enslaved in Egypt for about 400 years. But now the time of their deliverance has come. And God is raising up Moses. Now Moses, like a lot of us... He kind of has the philosophy that it must be the will of the Lord because it seems and feels so right to me. And we go by that so many times. And Moses was uh, out one day and he saw two Jews, two slaves. And uh, pardon me, I'm getting ahead of myself. He saw an Egyptian beating one of the Jewish slaves and he stepped in to intervene and ended up killing the Egyptian. Well, the next day he saw two Jews arguing, and he said, why are you arguing since you're brothers? And one of them said, are you going to kill me like you killed the Egyptian? And Moses knew that uh, the fact that he had killed an Egyptian was out. He had to run for his life. And so he runs, he goes to the desert in Midian, and there he marries, and he spends the next four decades, think about that, four decades of life. You think a 14-day quarantine is long? You think that being isolated from your church family and working at home and going to school at home, you think that's a long time? 40 years, folks. He left as a 40-year-old young man, and when we are reading the story in Exodus 3, he's an 80-year-old man. A boring, do-nothing, going-nowhere job. 40 years in the desert but God has his way in all of that because as Moses runs and flees from Pharaoh he's out there in the desert keeping his father-in-law's sheep and it's during that time that things change and they change for Moses, Moses is becoming a different person God has his way in the desert, think about how many times in the Bible people ended up in the desert John the Baptist was in the desert. Jesus spent some time in the desert. It's what it's called the wilderness, but it really means desert. You think about uh, Elijah, and you think about all of those times in the Bible where people would spend time in the desert. In fact, did you know that according to what Paul writes in Galatians, he spent three years in the desert. That's where the lord That was his seminary. That's where the Lord schooled him and taught him the gospel of the grace of God. Uh, The desert, God has his way in the desert. You may be in a desert right now, spiritually. You may be in a desert in a relationship or some other situation. But God hasn't forgotten you and God hasn't abandoned you. And God is certainly not passive. He is active during that time. Because even though your circumstances may not change, or at least it seems as though they are not changing, things do go kind of slow in the desert, don't they? God is changing you. And Moses is being changed in the desert. He's a different man now. He's not the cocky, self-assured, I can handle this type of person. You see, when he killed that Egyptian, Moses, in the book of Acts, we're told in a commentary on that, he supposed that his brethren, the other slaves, the other Jews, would understand That leads me to believe Moses thought he was going to start a revolution and that all of the slaves would join and there'd be an uprising and that's how they would be set free. Well, as so often, we find out that God's ways are not our ways and God's thoughts are not our thoughts. And so we have to remember that as we face the difficulties of our lives. Now, as The burning bush appears and God speaks to Moses. God gives Moses a very difficult assignment. And hear what he says. Here's basically what he says. Old man, go back to Egypt. Stand in front of Pharaoh and make a demand in my name that he stop enslaving the Jews and let them go. Now, when we just read that as... You know, black ink on a white page. It sounds okay and reasonable. But think about if God told you to do something like that. Put yourself in Moses' Moses' shoes or sandals. Or Well, at this point, he doesn't have his sandals on, does he? But uh, put yourself in his place. How would you like to have that kind of an assignment? That would be terrifying. And it would also seem like the most idiotic thing that anyone's ever been commanded to do. His mind has got to be saying, what are you thinking, Lord? You must not really understand the situation. You must not know what is really going on in this. Don't you know my situation? And of course God did. And during the time that Moses had been in the desert, not only was Moses changing, but Egypt had changed too. That Pharaoh That wanted Moses dead was gone. Moses had probably been forgotten by this point. Moses is now commanded to make his way back. Not as the prince of Egypt as he once was. But now coming back as a shepherd. And in the book of Genesis when it talks about the coming of the Hebrews to Egypt. It made a statement in there that the Egyptians loathed shepherds. And so Moses... Instead of being a younger man in his prime, instead of a man being a man that would be identified as a high authority and favored person of Egypt, now he's coming back as an old man and he's coming back as a shepherd. Could God have made it any more difficult? So as Moses hears this, what are you thinking that he might have been thinking? Well, if it's the will of God... A lot of us think that everything will just magically fall into place. Well, that doesn't seem to be happening here. It it seems that a lot of us have the idea that if it's the will of God, it'll be easy. We talk about open doors and God making a way. Well, that happens sometimes. But it is also true that sometimes... God calls you and me to do some of the most difficult things we've ever done. And then it's not easy while we're doing it. Not too many months ago, seems like a long time ago, we celebrated the birth of Christ, the incarnation. Can you imagine when Mary was... uh, Oh, I just touched my face. When Mary was uh, uh, told by the angel, You're going to have a child, and that child is going to be from the Holy Spirit, and he will be the Messiah. Well, was there any young woman in Israel at that time that would not have been very honored to give birth to the the Messiah? But this is not in the normal way. This is going to make Mary's reputation suffer because it looks like she has had sexual relations out of wedlock. To make it worse, she's already betrothed to a man named Joseph who is a good man, and this whole thing is just horribly complicated. Can you think about what it must have been like for Joseph, a man who wanted to love and serve God, for him now to see that his fiance, in our words, that she would be pregnant and he knew he wasn't the father? Can you imagine what it was like when he decided after the angel visited him to uh, take Mary as his wife? Can you imagine the other men, the Snickers? Can you imagine the things that they were saying about Joseph? What a fool he would be to take and to raise another man's wife when his uh, uh, fiancée had obviously prostituted herself. Can you make it any more difficult? Can you imagine the decree from Caesar Augustus or Octavian that says that you have to go to your ancestral hometown to be taxed? And that happens when Mary is in her ninth month of pregnancy and they have to travel from Galilee, from Nazareth, to Jerusalem or to Bethlehem, actually. Can you imagine? Could God have made it any more difficult? And yet we are blessed because of that. Sometimes the will of God Comes out of great trial, of great personal hardship, and of tremendous difficulty. It was said in the early church when it spread after great persecution from the Romans that the seed of the martyr, the blood of the martyrs, is the seed of the church, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church what happened? the more they persecuted the more people came to know Christ the more the church spread, the more the church grew so I want you to think about the trials of your life the difficulties that God asks you to do are you operating on the fact that if God wants me to do it then it'll be easy, it'll be natural, it'll be normal And are you operating on the assumption that if God throws everything into place, oh, it must be the will of God? There was a man that was in our church a few years ago that came to me and told me that he thought that he was going to get married. Why are you going to marry uh, this person? You don't even know this person, I said. And he said, well, it must be the will of God because... I wasn't looking for anyone, and neither was she. And God brought us together. We had some of the same interests, and he went through a whole list of what we might call coincidences. Well, coincidence, I mean, we have a theological problem with that because the steps of the righteous are ordered of God. There are no mere coincidences in our life. But at the same time, just because things seem to happen and fall into place... Does not necessarily mean that it's the will of God. When Eve was in the garden, she wasn't looking for a snake and she wasn't looking to hear any words of wisdom, and she also was not looking for or planning to eat the fruit. It just kind of happened. So we've got to be careful. That's why we pray in the Lord's Prayer, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Sometimes things set up to trap us and to trick us, and certainly God rescues us, and he teaches us from all of that, but we don't need to live by those assumptions. And if we did live by these two assumptions, then we would never have done what Moses did. Now, Moses is going to have some difficulty getting to the point of obedience, and you and I will have that difficulty as well. But God's bigger than all of that. In fact, let's read what it has to uh, say to us in the book of Exodus chapter 3, verse 19. And this is God speaking, okay? God says, But I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go, not even by a mighty hand. Okay, Greg's balloon just popped. Because if I'm hearing from God about an assignment, I kind of want to hear about victory. I kind of want to hear about what God is going to do to make a way for me. I want to hear about something being smooth and, and easy and powerful and all of that. And God just starts off after he tells Moses to go before Pharaoh. He goes, but he's not going to listen to you. That's not... Very encouraging, is it? So I will stretch out, we're in verse 20, so I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my wonders which I will do in its midst and after that he will let you go. Now we're talking, now we're talking except that God doesn't give the timeline here, does he? He says, I'm going to stretch forth my mighty hand. I'll strike Egypt and they'll let you go. But you and I know, as we read ahead in Exodus, God didn't do that just with a snap of his fingers. There were all of those plagues and all of that time and the anger of Pharaoh. And even the Hebrews kind of got a little put out with Moses during that time. In fact, as we read on, he better get used to that. That's going to happen for the rest of his life, isn't it? It wasn't going to be easy even as God was stretching out his mighty hand. It wasn't going to be an instantaneous change. It was going to take all of those different plagues that were taking place. I'll stretch out my hand, but he doesn't tell Moses how. And I just want to say, child of God... God may call you to do something. He may not make it always to seem natural, normal, and easy. It may be the hardest thing you've ever done. Circumstances may line up against you, but that doesn't change the command of God. That doesn't change the plan or the will of God. One iota. We are to obey Him no matter what they might be. And God doesn't always reveal His timing to us either. I would like for God to move sometimes a little slower than he moves and there are other times I wish he would move a little bit faster in fact I would just love it if God would line his will up with my will and he would do what I want him to do when I want him to do it and how I want him to do it I mean it seems good to me doesn't it to you and that's why we get frustrated and that's why we get a little put out with the God sometimes, even though we don't like to admit it, is because God doesn't have to change His will to line up with ours, because He's an unchanging God, knowing the end from the beginning. Who needs to change? You do. I do. In adjusting to what God has already planned. You see, this is what God is doing now in Moses' life. It's not that God is going to say, hey, Moses, how would you like to do this? It's God saying to Moses, I've already got the plan, and I don't change. You adjust to me. And that's always the call of God to his people, both in the Old and in the New Testament. And then in verse 21, he says, And I will give this people, the Hebrew slaves, favor in the sight of the Egyptians, and it shall be when you go, that you shall not go empty-handed, but every woman shall ask of her neighbor, namely of her who dwells near her house, articles of silver, articles of gold, and clothing, and you shall put them on your sons and on your daughters, and so you shall plunder the Egyptians. Well, that's an irony, isn't it? Pharaoh won't let them go. They're looked down upon. They're despised. They're repressed by the Egyptians. And God is saying, by the time I finish, they're going to beg you to go. And they're going to pay you to go. You're going to get a severance pack. Talk about a golden parachute. These slaves are going to leave. And they're going to leave with all kinds of clothing and gold and silver and all of that type of stuff. That's going to be used later In the furnishing of the tabernacle, by the way. This is kind of an amazing thing. And when we think about these, think about these points. Number one would be the will of God is not without difficulty. Again, we use the illustration of Joseph and Mary and the coming of Christ. We could go all kinds of places with this. And probably you have a story you could tell. About that thing you didn't think you could do. At a time that seemed to be so inconvenient... When uh, circumstances, maybe your health, maybe your finances, maybe some relationships, maybe a job situation, whatever it was, you said, there's no way, there is absolutely no way I'm going to be able to do it. And here you stand on the other side, and you know what? You did it. You did it. And, of course, you and I know it wasn't actually us. It was God doing it through us, wasn't it? And so we realize that God doesn't always... Make a way for us that's got, you know, four open lanes and smooth pavement at a high speed limit going exactly where we want to go. Sometimes God takes us with an axe through the wilderness to chop down some trees and make a way and make a path. Sometimes he takes us on a path someone else maybe has cleared the trees, but it's rough and it's still treacherous and it's very hard to walk through. And so... God's will sometimes, sometimes comes with great difficulty. This is not going to be an easy task for Moses. And let's not assume that whatever God commands us to do is going to be easy. We all know that we've been given the Great Commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Is that easy? Well, it might be easy for us to write a check and send a missionary to someplace else. Pray for Brother Robert Taylor in Mexico. And think about um, churches that we have helped and helped to train in India and other places like that. Uh, You know, that's easy. We can sit here in comfort and just send them. Here am I, send Bob, we might say. And uh, there they go. That's good. We ought to support people like that. Not everybody can go. But what about carrying out the Great Commission with your aunt or uncle or cousin? What about carrying out the Great Commission and being a missionary in school or at your job or worse to your next door neighbor? How do you do those kind of things? How how can we do that? Well, we do it with great difficulty, don't we? Because there are some people that will appreciate you doing that, and there are some people who will despise the fact that you do that. You see, we're never called in the scripture to keep our quote-unquote religion Private. We are a people, the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord do what? Say so. Talk about it. Speak up about it. Now that doesn't mean you have to be a jerk, and that doesn't have to mean you walk up to your neighbor's door, kick it down, and go inside and say, I'm here to tell you about Jesus. I think most of the time Uh, as you read through the book of Acts, especially, you'll see that believers witnessed effectively in the normal day-to-day traffic patterns of life. Yes, there are those times when God calls a Philip to go talk to an Ethiopian eunuch. We, We know that. There are those times when God calls a Paul to go to Macedonia or those kind of things. But most of the people, most of the Christians in the New Testament, they witnessed ...to their family and their friends as they were living. I just want to suggest that during this time... ...where there's a lot of fear and a lot of panic... ...might be our greatest opportunity for evangelism. Because there may be some people watching us today... ...and if you are, I'm glad you are. You're always welcome. They're watching us today because they're afraid. Because they're scared to death. The Bible says we're to give an answer, an answer for the hope that lies within us. That implies something. It implies that people are asking us about it. Who's asking? Is anyone asking? Well, maybe in this time of fear, in this time of sorrow, in this time of bewilderment, in this time of isolation, maybe, maybe, maybe someone might ask, but there's an if, if you indeed do have hope within you. The Children of God are different. We're different during times of crisis. So understand that the difficulties come with the will of God. They're like a, a, a train, a locomotive, and the uh, uh, cars, the cargo, and then the caboose. They're all linked together, and they all go the same place. They carry different things, and they have a different position, but they're in it all together. And so we are as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's difficulty in this. Secondly, notice that the difficulty is never greater than God. Pharaoh may say no initially. God tells Moses he's going to say no. And then God says, but I'm going to stretch out my mighty hand and we'll find out who the real God is because Pharaoh thought that he was a descendant of the sun god. I hope I'm correct about that. I know it was one of their deities. I believe he was the descendant of the sun god. Now, here's a showdown. The god of the Hebrews, well, what kind of a god is he? He's a punk. How do we know that? Well, look at them. They're enslaved. What kind of a god would allow his people who worship him to be enslaved? And Pharaoh would think, I and our gods are the powerful ones. Why? Because we've enslaved you and your gods. So worship whatever little punky god you want to worship. Ha, ha, ha. Isn't that cute? We are the ones who are really in control. Well, that was only temporary, folks. Because God told Moses, I'll stretch out my hand and then we'll see who's who. And then we'll see who's in control. And then we'll see who is the powerful one. And so that's true in our lives as well. Could it be that God has put you in a situation where it looks as though your Christianity's not working, your prayers aren't answered, that there's no power in your life? You're in the backside of the desert after all. And yet you keep hanging on and you keep praying and you keep trusting. And today might be the day that God stretches forth His hand. And those prayers you've been praying maybe for decades are actually answered. And through you, Jesus Christ is honored and glorified. But that never would happen if you weren't in the difficulty. It never would have happened if it hadn't been over a matter of time. And it never would have happened had not you held on and waited patiently in hope when it seemed like God would never act. And yet He does. And yet He is. And yet He will. That's the thing we've got to keep in mind. Number three. Notice that the difficulty distinguishes God's people from everyone else. Now, not everybody is a child of God not everybody is a we're all creations of God that's true and we're made in the image of God every one of us but we're not all children of God you see the Bible tells us that the only way we become a child of God is to come to the place where we see ourselves as sinners we've broken the law of God and we've rebelled against God and because of that We are going to die. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. And it also means that not only will we die physically, but in the book of Revelation, it describes what is called the second death. The second death. When people who have not trusted Christ are consigned to an eternal lake of fire. Let me say that again an eternal, it never ends, lake of fire. It's a horrible place to think about and an even more horrible place to be. But the Bible tells us that those who see themselves as sinners come to the place of realizing that they are helpless before God. Blessed are the poor in spirit, the spiritual beggars. We recognize we have nothing to offer to God. But God so loved the world. You know that verse? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Boy, what great news that is. When we understand that our sin separates us from God and there's an eternal penalty to that, we come to God and we cry out for his mercy and we put our faith and trust in what Jesus did for us. Jesus, as God in human flesh, lived a perfect sinless life so that when he died on the cross, he was the innocent suffering on behalf of the guilty. And God punished him for the sins that we've committed so that when Jesus said, it is finished, he said, literally, the debt is paid He was put in the grave and three days later he arose from the dead and he's ascended to the right hand of God the Father where he is Lord of all. And here's what it means to become a child of God. Think about this verse. It's Romans chapter 10 verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, beautiful words, thou shalt be saved. What a great thing to know by grace alone, through faith alone, we can become the children of God. Now, I have trusted in Christ and Christ only as payment in full for my sins. I did that when I was 22 years old, okay? That was back in 19, none of your business. And when you think about that, at that instant, I became a child of God. Now, I'm... 60 now, so go ahead and do the math I have not had a trouble-free life There have been things that have happened that I never thought would happen to me I've experienced some things that have been gut-wrenching Some things that have been heartbreaking Some things that seem to come out of nowhere And some things that seem to, well, it's almost like they would never end When my mother was diagnosed with leukemia, that was a long couple of years until the Lord took her home. When uh, you think about some of the things that you go through in raising your children, sometimes they get to a certain stage or a certain age where that six months is the longest decade of your life. Seems like it goes forever. We all go through those things. That's a part of life. Okay. Now what is the difference, and how does this distinguish, according to this point I'm making, a child of God from someone who's not child of, a child of God? It's when we go through the difficulties in the will of God that He refines us, that He matures us, that He clarifies our value system. Some of the things years ago you thought were so important, you've been through enough now that you literally don't care about those things anymore, And it also allows other people to watch us over a period of time. You see, I'm really glad that people don't just watch me in a difficult situation and uh, that's it. That's it. Because many times I respond in a sinful, fleshly manner at the spur of the moment. Believe it or not, I have a temper. Believe it or not, I can respond very sarcastically and cruelly. I'm glad that God gives us time in a lot of cases to have that difficulty remain so that as we are changed and sanctified and refined those people who watch us those people who would criticize us those people who would reject us they see us over that period of time maybe a decade maybe 15 years 20 years on through and they have to say He or she is a different person. Why do we become different over that time? Because God is working in our lives. God tells Moses, I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. The Egyptians are going to face judgment and plague The Israelis are going to experience favor, and that's going to result in their freedom. And that's what God is doing to you and doing for us in these difficult times, and and. Boy, don't think that coronavirus is the only problem people are facing right now. People are still living and dying and getting sick and going bankrupt and having relationship problems and going through divorce. All of those things are still happening. And we have to minister to those things and pray about those things. But it's during these troubled times that maybe our initial reaction is not all that godly. But over time we grow and over time we learn. And maybe God doesn't let up that thing that we beg him to let up right then because we haven't displayed his glory quite yet. He's going to make a difference and he's going to do it in a way that when it's all said and done people are going to look at you and say you really are a Christian aren't you? You really are born again, aren't you? You really are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, aren't you? You really are different. And that's why the Bible says that we're a chosen generation, right? A royal priesthood. And uh, he has called us a, the King James says, peculiar people. But it's uh, literally in the Greek, his own special people. Why? That he may show forth his praises and that light might shine in the, dar- in the darkness. You see what I mean? It's through these difficulties that the people of God are distinguished from the Egyptians, we might say. And then the last thing that uh, comes up out of all of this is that difficulty often brings rewards. And might I say unexpected rewards. You know, Romans 8.28 is still in the Bible. And when we think about everything that we are promised in the Word of God, it's amazing how God can bring, well, one verse of Scripture says He brings beauty out of ashes. We wouldn't expect that. It says in another place that He is able to restore the years that the locusts have eaten. We don't expect that. When uh, one person was told about Jesus, he uh, said this, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Why? Because you wouldn't expect it. And yet the greatest gift to mankind came out of the unexpected place of Nazareth. And could it be that what you are going through right now is going to open a door for you that you never saw coming? Could it be that what is happening to you now is going to result in something that is going to be the greatest opportunity, the greatest open door, the greatest and most wonderful life-changing, family-changing, and maybe even culture-changing event that could ever happen? Could it be that God allows this coronavirus to come and scare people to death? Because maybe, 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 people are listening more now than ever? That the same people who would tell you to go you know where last week, this week will say, what do you have to say? Could it be? Could it be that the testimony of believers during this time is the most powerful thing we've ever seen in our lifetime? Could it be that maybe when they look at you and they look at me, and when other people are hoarding everything we're sharing... Could that make a difference? Could that make an impact? When everyone else is seeing nothing but doom and gloom and heartache and they see us smiling and rejoicing and thanking our God and giving praise to Him, could it be that this could launch something we never saw coming? Well, I hope it does. I pray it does. Because God uses these times to spotlight the difference between his people and the Egyptians, and then he ends up rewarding us, and we never ever saw it coming. So expect it, and look for it, and watch for those blessings. And just wrapping it up here, just gives a little bit of application, just beware of assumptions. We sometimes assume it's the will of God when it's not, and we assume it's not the will of God when it is. Be careful about all of that. Go to the word of God. And also look above and beyond difficulties and see the power and the presence of God. I don't know. I don't know whether I'm going to get this virus or not. I pray that I don't. I wash my hands a lot so that I don't. Uh, Tom Urie told me the other day because I would posted something about instead of singing happy birthday when you wash your hands, sing the doxology. And he told me, he goes, I have sung the doxology more lately than I have at any time in my life. And by the way, as you pray, pray for Tom and Becky. Becky's mom has been put in the hospital. And these are really, really difficult times because they don't allow uh, visitors. And Becky was told this morning that she can go in at 7 o'clock this morning. And she has to stay all day. If she ever goes out, she can't go back. And, of course, they're not letting us make hospital visits or anything like that. Hard times, right? Right? So um, as you think about all of this, think about the power and the presence of God. Over and above all of this, God rules and God reigns. Also, remember this, that your children and others are watching you during hard times. And if they see you being filled with fear and panic and all of that, they're going to notice it. And you're the one that took them to Sunday school. You're the one that read them the Bible stories. You're the one that leads them in their bedtime prayers. You're the one that prays over meals. And your little children, your grandchildren watch you now during this. And they say, that doesn't sound like dad when he was praying last night when he put me to bed. That doesn't sound like mom and the way that she was when she was reading me those Bible stories. Doesn't uh, grandma and grandpa, they're not looking the same. What's going on? And the sad thing is, that may be the tool the enemy uses to tell them that Jesus is fake. The Bible is not true. And this whole religious thing is nothing but superstition. Let's live for Christ during these times and especially during these times. And then also understand this, that when we make it through, we will be enriched, strengthened, and blessed. This world is going to be different when we come out of this. You're going to be different when you come out of this. Our church will be different. Let's not get used to online church, by the way. That's not what the scripture says is the optimum. I'm glad we have it for times like this, but we are supposed to gather. We need the fellowship and we need the body. Let's keep on being who we are. Keep on giving. Keep on praying. Keep on serving. Keep on being tied into your church. Stay connected. All of those things are so important. And just know this. If Romans 28 and verse 29 also are true, we're going to be more like Jesus when we come out of this than we were when we went in. So smile and look up and have hope. Wash your hands. Sure. But trust God. He's on His throne. He is the one who has already prevailed. And our hope is in Him So let's rejoice in hope. There's an old hymn that uh, says, God be with you till we meet again. By his counsel's guide uphold you. With his sheep secure enfold you. God be with you till we meet again. God be with you till we meet again. Neath his wings protecting hide you. Daily manna will provide you. God be with you till we meet again. God be with you till we meet again when life's perils thick confound you. Put his arms unfailing round you. God be with you till we meet again. And that's my prayer and that's my blessing for our church. God be with you. Till we meet again. Thank you for joining us today. And thank you for worshiping with us. And may the Lord bless you. I'd like to close us with a word of prayer. And then Brother Dale has some announcements. He wants to make. Will you join me in prayer. Heavenly Father as we look at this. And see Moses life. We can see our life as well. And we think about the difficulties that come our way. But the God who is bigger than the difficulties. And the God who distinguishes us. In times of difficulties. And the God who rewards us. These difficulties don't steal from us, they enrich us. All things work together for good to those who love God and are the called according to His purpose. May many be called today out of these difficult times and may those of us who are called keep rejoicing in the Lord because your promises are true. Thank you, Lord. Bless us, give us health, and give us opportunities Protect us and guide us through this. And thank you, Lord, our eyes are on you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.
1: Again, thank you so much for joining us this morning. It's been our our blessing to be here and to sing and to be a part of a service uh, for those of you that are joining us on the live stream. Let me remind you, your staff, your elders, your deacons, they still want to be available to you. Just reach out by phone. You can contact us anytime. A couple of announcements. Remember that tomorrow is a Mission 405 food pantry day. Just like grocery stores, food pantries have not been closed yet. So if you have not contacted my wife yet about your availability and you would like to, just let her know today via text whether you if you're a regular, whether you're going to be uh, available or whether you're not. That is fine. That is totally up to a personal decision, uh, but we will be serving that community tomorrow. Also, I'd like you to th- like to thank you. Uh, we had a great offering last week, and that was a good blessing. Remember, as we go through this time, as Pastor has mentioned before. Uh, our expenses do not stop just because we're not physically meeting at this facility. So you can give via our e-giving. If you've not joined that before, it's a, there's a link on our website, or you can give me a call and I can help you with that. And believe it or not, we still take regular mail. We get mail every day, and a lot of checks are coming in that way. So thank you for your for your faithfulness. We look forward to the time when we can all meet together again. Remember, tonight at 5 30 at our normal service time there'll be a teaching time pastor will be teaching our adult sunday school lesson and then on wednesdays he'll also be teaching continuing the series in psalms thank you again have a blessed day